And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. It's time to let the mighty eagle soar once more. Let the eagle soar like she's never soared before. From rocky coast to golden shore, let the mighty eagle soar, let the mighty them cowboys indeed bragging rights in the nfc east on the line sunday night football cowboys and eagles so we're going to preview it all here what about them cowboys welcome in to another midweek edition we've got a special guest from our friends at birds with friends bull wolf joining us a little bit later from the athletic to bring us some eagles side of the conversation i'm kent producing and joined by three the best of the best when it comes to breaking down all things Dallas Cowboys. First, from The Athletic, your stars slash Cowboys beat writer, Saad Yusuf, your Cowboys beat writer, Father John Mishota, and from The Freak, Kevin, KT Turner in the hosting chair. Hey, KT, welcome back. Thank you very much, Kent. Very excited. We've uh, got a big episode here for you. Getting you ready for Eagles Cowboys on Sunday night. We'll talk with Bo Wolf from Birds with Friends. Here in a bit, but first let's go to Father John Mashoda. Jerry did uh, his uh, normal weekly interview over on the uh, flagship 105.3 The Fan this morning. Said uh, Dak's going to start spinning it tomorrow. For those out there listening, we're recording this on Tuesday evening. So uh, Dak's going to start spinning it middle of the week. Does that point him as at least a possibility of playing Sunday night? What do you think is going on here? I think Jerry's hopeful that Dak will be spinning it in practice tomorrow, but I also have thought all along that Jerry's been very cautious about this, and that's not like Jerry. So uh, the eternal optimist Jerry Jones talking the way he has the last few days, whether it's right after the game and then today on the radio, says to me that it's more than likely there's very little chance that Dak Prescott would play in this game unless, hey, maybe he goes out there this week and there's this miraculous he's way better than we thought he was going to be. And he's zipping these passes all over the field. We didn't expect this. I don't know if that's reality. I think reality says he misses uh, one more game and probably comes back next week. He's got to go a full week of practice. I just don't, I don't see him doing that right now off of what I was able to see him do the last couple of weeks at practice. It just, it would be a significant jump uh, from what he has been doing. So I would not be, uh, I'm not expecting Zach, Dak Prescott to play in this game. Yeah, you mentioned even Sunday night on the post-game podcast, like how McCarthy would want probably a full week of practice and things like that. I, I I do think it's interesting, like 
I don't know. This I, I don't know if it had to do with Jerry's interview or not, but the line was five and a half and it moved down to four and a half, like after Jerry's interview. It's just the power of words, maybe, or maybe Vegas is just kind of trending that way anyways. But I don't know. Like we talk, we'll, we'll catch up with Bo Wolf from the Eagles' perspective. I'm not sure that it changes things. It's a five and O team who's playing really well. The Cowboys are a four and one team that's playing really well, and they haven't given up 20 points yet in a game. Like I know, it seems like a conversation that sounds maybe almost dumb and junior varsity, but how big of a difference? Even points wise, point spread wise, you should it be that Dak and between Dak and Cooper Rush? Like, is there a tangible kind of linear number that we can kind of get close to when it comes to guessing this type of thing? Yeah, you sure. What I'm I saying? Would, I know it's a weird question. Yeah. Well, no, I would say this. I'd say if it was a DeAndre Hopkins situation where he's suspended for PEDs and he's fully healthy, and when he gets back, he's ready to hit the ground running. I think this this line is probably even if Dak is 100% healthy and he's coming back from some type of suspension or something like that, and he's 100% healthy. Um, now, coming back off of not having played the last four weeks, I think it would only move at a couple points because there's still that uncertainty. How rusty is he going to be? I mean, what you do in practice, that's that's great. That doesn't mean you're going to be able to do that Sunday night against a really talented defense. You don't. I mean, you just don't know. You can only simulate so much in practice. And so because of that, I still think the Eagles would be favored by probably at least three points. Um, but for it to only be four and a half, five, I think that's it's pretty good for considering where we thought it might be uh, when Dak went down. And if you would have told me that um, the Eagles would be the last undefeated, only undefeated team in the league, I wouldn't think that the line would be that close. A Sunday night game in Philadelphia. Keep in mind, a lot of these games that have been in Philadelphia between the Cowboys and Eagles lately have been one where – the Eagles have already wrapped up a playoff spot, or the Cowboys did, and there's not a lot on the line, and there's still fights and craziness in the stands. Like this is going to be wild on Sunday night. Like I mean, th- I'm, I cannot even, I can't wait for to be in that environment. It's going to be it, uh, this is this will be hostile. Yeah, and I also think that just you know the the point of the season that it is where it's not the first couple of games, but it's also not the last last few. I think it's the, this is the sweet spot, and I know the NFL backloads all the divisional games and I get it but I do think that they kind of have learned their lesson in the sense that you know they're kind of seeing that okay there's the mid-season point or getting close to mid-season is a really sweet spot to have this stuff and then you can you know back it up at the at the end as well yeah I've always been a big proponent of you really don't know what a team is until four or five games well this is a good time to, to have this game week six I think that that's really good and I you know, another thing, we talked about this a little bit with Bo, uh, and we'll play that here in a little bit, but, you know, you look at everything here, you almost can't fall back too far behind in the division as well. You know, you lose this game, the Eagles have two games on you. You start matching up the schedules of really all these NFC teams, but especially NFC East teams, and you go, well, the schedule doesn't look that uh, that dangerous down the road, where it might be a situation where the t- a team that you're trying to catch, you know, may not fumble too much. If you look at the Eagles schedule, they have a bit of a gauntlet that, that hits them in late November. The Cowboys schedule is very easy. We've talked about that. It's very, it's very interesting. And I don't know that I saw this coming. Obviously I didn't expect the Cowboys to be four and one. Definitely didn't expect the New York giants to be four and one, but you can <laughs> kind of get, get yourself in a, in a world. If you want to think too far ahead where you go, boy, you lose this game. You're two games behind. And I don't know if I can make that up. I I don't I just don't know why anybody would care if they win the division. Who cares? Yeah. 
Seriously, who cares? They've won the division before. It doesn't mean anything. When the Packers won the Super Bowl with McCarthy, they were a wild card. Like in today's day, yeah. just get into the tournament. It doesn't matter. Like I don't, I don't understand. What do you want a shirt that says division? Yeah. Who cares if you win the division? It means nothing as long as they get in the playoffs and and they're relatively healthy at that time. That's the only thing that should matter to you. Who who won who won the divisions last year? It was the Cowboys. Okay, the Rams, Buccaneers, and Packers. But the 49ers was just as good as any of those teams. They almost didn't make the playoffs. Then you have the Bengals. Like, I, I don't understand why anybody would even care anymore. It's not 1987. Who cares if they win the division? Like, when they've won the division in previous years, it's got them absolutely nothing when they've gotten into the postseason. So let the Eagles, who cares if the Eagles win the division? Uh, the Cowboys, as long as they keep doing what they're doing, they'll be in the playoffs. And that's all that should matter to them. Because not to not to uh, be negative about a 4-1 and one start, even this doesn't matter. We've seen 13 win seasons. We've seen 12 win seasons. This whole deal is going to be judged about what they do in the playoffs. So is if they keep playing the way they are right now, if they win the division or not, they'll be in the playoffs. Yeah. And also, like, I think, you know, one, I, I think for the teams that matter is if you have a distinct home field advantage. So Kansas City, Seattle back in the day, you know, those are the teams We've talked about AT&T Stadium games when it comes to playoff teams. Go back to last year. Um, and then, you know, on, on, on. I think the Raiders game was like the last one where they um, played decent or something like that. It, it, there's a long history of them struggling against good teams at AT&T Stadium. And, uh, and if that's the case, then I'm with you. Like, who, like, who cares? Now, what, what sucks is that if you have to go to one of those teams that had, like, if you play Green Bay in January in the wild card round that might suck and then you might be wishing that you won the won the division but you know Green Bay came here and uh in Dallas and won so I I think it's it's really kind of a moot point at the end of the day And, and the other thing I need to throw in there real quick is when we speak on this now I've only been covering this Cowboys since 2011 but since that's happened this is the first team I've covered that it's clearly defensive driven. This team yeah. is built better than any of the teams in the last decade to go win up in Green Bay in January. This is the best. You honestly look at this roster right now and you're like, oh, okay, I can see them do it. You don't have to throw for 375. You don't need three stud wide receivers. You're not trying to air it out. You're tr- you can win ground and pound and play good defense with this team and go win in Lambeau. There's no reason why this team shouldn't be able to do that. So I, guess- I think I think to Saad's point, it does factor in with me that they just do not have some dominant home field advantage that I'm just like, oh no, you didn't win and now you don't get to play at home. Well, you did in the past and it hasn't done anything for you. Yeah, and Green Bay really doesn't even know how to win in Green Bay in January. Um, That's a good but point, like, too. <laughs> this is where I, I think – I guess my thought was more about going to Philadelphia and winning in January, which we'll cross that bridge when we get there, right? But that's the one place, you know, outside of Green Bay, I guess, where you have, you know, home field would be a bit of a problem there. If you go to Tampa Bay or go to L.A. to play the Rams, even San Francisco, I would argue, you might have a chance at having home field advantage. Or I get the sense at least 50-50. Up in Philly, that ain't going to happen. You'll have a good number of Cowboys fans there, but you will be outnumbered. And that is a tough place to play in a rivalry game and a lot of passion. And I don't know. That's one thing I think I'm missing from this uh, from this Cowboys team. A, a really a good win. And it, things change when you get Dak and all that stuff. It's hard to name off five, six really huge, big wins on the road from this Cowboys team over the last couple of years. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I think this team's so much different. That I don't really even care what happened last year, to be honest with you. It just, it's such yeah. a defensive driven team that we just haven't seen anything like this 
I mean, you can even go, I can't even think of the last time. When's the last time the Cowboys have been defense first? Because people will talk about, like, I, I saw, I heard Stephen was asked the other day on the radio about if this could potentially be as good as the Super Bowl defenses. Those were offensive driven teams, too. There's obviously yeah. their defense was good, but they won. Uh, name, when people named like the star players on those teams and they, they got it done, nobody is naming a defender over. Now they'll name them, but they won't be before they name Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin, and Emmett Smith. You know, I mean, so how, you got to go back a ways. So it probably is doomsday defense. And even on those teams, you're still probably naming Staubach over them. And this team, the way that they've been playing, like they can go on the way. And then you mentioned the thing about having to possibly play Philly in a playoff game. I don't know if this team is as healthy as they are right now. I just saw a team on Sunday that looked like they really enjoyed being the underdog on the road. And so maybe that maybe they play their best if they have to go up to Philadelphia. And who knows if Philly's rolling the way that they are right now and they win the division. Let's say they have the number one record in the NFC. This seems like a perfect thing that Mike McCarthy would love for his team. They have to go in there as the underdogs like, oh, maybe we'll get lucky and beat them. We're, we're five point dogs or something like that. I think they would I think they would love that, especially as the Dallas Cowboys. Let's be honest, going back to these playoff losses that we've seen them have constantly the team that, oh, it's the Cowboys. They're for real. Here we go. 13 wins, 12 wins. They're going to make this is going to be finally the year. And then it wasn't. So going to a place and be an underdog, that might be the thing that gets them over the top. How concerned are you about Micah Parsons growing? Uh, concerned early in the week. Yeah, concerned from the, the standpoint of him being normal, Micah, and, and playing every single snap and, and potential, well, potentially playing every single snap. Um, but in terms of his effectiveness, I, I didn't need to see any more than that second half. I mean, I, I could argue that yeah. he played his best ball after he got injured. So I, not not as <laughs> serious concern. Um, I, I don't think he needs to be doing very much in practice. Just make sure you're uh, on the bus uh, when they leave the hotels at four o'clock. I mean, that's, you know, on Sunday, that's that would be my only concern. Yeah, I think I think though with that kind of injury, it's something that it's a management injury. Like you want to make sure that you are like it, it is something that you know might linger for a little bit. Um, we talked about that in the past with like how like you know Zeke's injury was that way, different different injury altogether and everything. But when it's a lingering injury, it is something that you just want to make sure that like you know you're pacing yourself, whether it's in practice, or also whether it's in games. Like I mean, maybe Micah doesn't not only on passing downs, but maybe you're just a little bit more careful about how you're rotating, especially while you do have the depth. I mean, capitalize on the fact that you have that depth and use Micah when it's most necessary. But, um, but you know, KT, this week in particular, I mean, it's going to be really interesting because I don't know. I, you know, like think Daniel Jones, you think Burrow, Wentz, like definitely not Tom Brady, but this type of quarterback is the type of guy where, like, you know, he's not just dropping back, stepping up in the pocket and just delivering a ball. Like, you might have to have a spy. Do you use that spy to be a linebacker, a nickelback? Or, you know, like, how do you how do you kind of view that? Is is Jalen Hurts Micah's problem? Is he only his problem in the pocket? Um, I, you know, with this kind of injury, I definitely don't want Micah Parsons. I, I don't know that I want him spying um spying Jalen I feel like I feel like there's there's another player that can maybe do that but um but yeah I think that what Jalen hurts the groin injury and how you manage it is a little bit more interesting to me yeah I think Donovan Wilson fits that role perfectly yeah I, think I agree that's the player that yeah. you should have doing that I don't think you should have Micah doing it and last year he only played one game against the Eagles and in that one he he was 33 of his 37 snaps were on the defensive line so um, I, I anticipate that it what his play time will be will look very similar to the way it looked in the second half against the Rams. They'll they'll be they'll be careful about overworking him. Uh, they're going to want him to be as as 
as best as possible late in the game. And so I could see in, in some situations where he might not be on the field on first down and in, in certain, you know, maybe even on second down. Uh, but they're going to have him out there when he needs to rush the passer. But that's on him. That's going to be on him. That's going to be on Demarcus Lawrence, Torrance Armstrong, Osa, all those guys up front that they can't over pursue because this guy will get out of the pocket and then he'll create even bigger plays. So it's not going to be just like it was last week against Stafford and just, hey, let's see who can get there the fastest. You got to also contain while you rush um, because he can turn it into a big play real quick on you. So it's going to be a different game plan, but I, I don't I don't know how you I don't know how you would be questioning what they'll come up with their game plan um, by what we've seen this year. And when I say that, I mean, who's designing it with Dan Quinn and then just the personnel you have on the field. Uh, it's not like this team's winning because they just have a good pass rush or they just have a good back, uh, you know, five or six guys, or they just have good line. They're good at all three levels. And so uh, Jalen Hurts is certainly a problem. He's probably the favorite right now to win MVP. But if there's anybody in the league that has a chance to slow him down and potentially stop him, with how they're playing right now, it's got to be this Cowboys defense. You know, last year in that that first game they played in, in week three, you know, Jalen Hurts was – it was one of his worst games, honestly. And you know, the Cowboys got up 27-7, to and Jalen Hurts ended up padding the stats a little bit in garbage time. The Cowboys ended up winning that game 41-21, to and it did get a little closer um, as the game went on. But it's 27-7, to and he had thrown two interceptions and got sacked a couple times. And it was really about as confused as he had looked. Uh, and he had kind of a funny, famous quote about flushing it down the toilet. And then, you know, later on in the year, the Cowboys, you know, faced him again. And it was just a whole different scenario where the Cowboys were in week 18. And they ended up winning that game 51 to 26. And they were pretty much had nothing to play for at that point. They were 12 and 5. Uh, ended up being a 12 and 5. Um, so that, it's, it's, it's really not like some vast history of taking on um, uh, Jalen Hurts, but the the game that I remember is that week three game, and he looked uh, he looked very confused. So it'll be interesting to see how much uh, Dan Quinn goes back to that. I think Anthony Barr is another guy who's capable of playing that spy role just to mix it up a little bit. He's fast enough that you can kind of trust him there, and I think they really like his football IQ and things like that. So that there's some things. I mean, I think to me, uh, I don't know about you guys. To me, that's the number one storyline of this game is. Jalen Hurts, front runner MVP, arguably the best defense in football. And how do they react to a quarterback that's not a statue? I mean, that is well, this is I all think, kind of what we wanted, right? I think that's the sexiest headline, but in terms of what will win the game, you got to tell me what what the Cowboys are going to do on offense because uh, when when the Eagles have the ball, it's going to be good on good. You know, the Cowboys got arguably the best defense in, in the league. The Phillies playing with arguably the best offense in the league. And then, but then when you go to the other side, Philly has a really good defense. And if you go off of the way Cooper Rush played against the Rams, 102 ain't going to get it done. So, what kind of production are you going to get from him and that group on the road? Is it going to be like Minnesota? I mean, hey, then they can, they can pull this one off. Special teams is obviously going to be huge. You can't have Brian Anger shanking punts, and you can't be having guys snap footballs when uh, Brian Anger isn't ready to put the ball down. So um, probably wouldn't hurt to have Cavante Turpin maybe uh, flip the field a couple times. But, yeah, certainly the sexiest matchup is Jalen Hurts versus the Cowboys defense. I mean, that's the that's the one that's going to be talked about the most between now and Sunday night. Yeah, and I think there's there's reason for that. And, 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 and you know, not just to make it about, like, you know, the Cowboys defense, but when you look at the Eagles offense, and, you know, I haven't 
done the deep research about how all these points are scored. Maybe there's some special teams and defense stuff here. But when you go back and look look at the Eagles through the first five games, 38 points against Detroit, that's the outlier. That was week one. After that, they've scored 24 against Minnesota, 24 against the Commanders, 29 against the Jags, and 20 against the Cardinals. And I think we can all agree that of all those teams, Dallas is the best defense. And so if you're scoring 24 to 20, 29, again, Jacksonville was the, was up and 20 against Arizona's down, they're probably falling, falling somewhere just statistically in the 20 to 23, 24 range. And the Cowboys, then you look at them and they haven't allowed 20 points yet this season. And so then you're looking at it that way of like, okay, so maybe this falls in the 18 to 22 range. And then again, it comes back to what John's mentioning now. Can your offense score enough to then beat, uh, to score more points than the Eagles? And, uh, and, you know, I think it's possible, but I, but I think that's kind of the, the sexy headline. I still, I think is justified. And I think it, like, you know, it's not just, uh, it's not just for show. Like, I think that's, that's what the other headlines are going to build off of because the offense only needs to score enough to win. They don't need to win the game. Well, dude, the the way uh, I, I think you're right, but the Eagles, the first quarter is going to be so important. This game, the Eagles have been playing from ahead in every game, and then basically either a team has quit on them, like Washington, or they've been able to easily put teams away for the most part, or sneak by like they did on Sunday against the Cardinals. Going into, and I don't have this week's game, which I should. Uh, figure that out. Maybe I can on the fly, but going into week five against the Cardinals. So the first four games, Jalen Hurts had only thrown the ball 38 times in the fourth, uh, in the second half, right? So averaging under 10 throws in the second half, they were getting ahead. They were running the ball. They were not taking chances. They're trying to run out the clock. We saw the Cowboys play like that against the Rams. Like they weren't trying to throw the ball a ton. They were trying to get out of there. Uh, right. They were trying to move the ball. And I actually, Commend Kellen Moore for that game plan. I think that's probably the game plan that probably works best for you with Cooper Rush. You're going to need to probably throw the ball more than 16 times to beat the Eagles. And you're going to need uh, your guys not to have a couple uh, crucial drops as well. But it is very fascinating to me that the Eagles have just played from ahead. They've been able to hold teams off. They, uh, you know, the Cardinals did nothing against them last week except for the last few possessions, and the Cardinals started scoring. If the Cardinals don't bungle the clock at the end of the game, maybe the Cardinals, maybe they end up scoring or maybe they end up getting closer and tying the game and taking it to overtime. But they're a team that's played from ahead. So if you can not allow them to get up by 7, 10, 14 points and just do what they do and hand it off to Miles Sanders for the rest of the game, you got a good chance here because they haven't proven they they have this like, as Sob was saying, they haven't proven they've got this like loads of firepower. When you got to go throw it 20 to 25 times in the second half to win a game, we haven't seen them do that yet. Yeah, but it's also all about imposing your identity, right? And like, and I think the Cowboys' identity being what it's become, which to me, if you look at it two ways, the defense is elite. And then offensively, what their identity has been, like people might say ground and pound, run, whatever, say, no, for me, the identity is not turning the ball over. Like, I think I think I heard this right today somewhere on on one of the sports radio stations where the Cowboys don't have a turnover since Dalton Schultz fumbled against the Bengals. Like Man. that's crazy. And so if that's if that's your formula, you're not turning the ball over. Like, and, and let me say this as well. I saw this uh, this tweet from Tashawn Reed who covers uh, the Raiders for us at the Athletic. Um, Josh Jacobs 
third in the NFL in rushing, okay? Devontae Adams, eighth in the NFL in receiving, and Max Crosby is tied for the lead in sacks, okay? The Raiders are one and four. And when you look at just those three numbers, again, Jacobs being third in the NFL in rushing. I looked it up. Zeke is 19th, okay? And then you look at Devontae Adams, eighth in the NFL in receiving. C.D. Lamb is 18th. And then uh, Max Crosby and Micah Parsons are tied for the lead. So, and and then they're four and one. And it's such a huge difference. And the reason is because they don't turn the ball over. That's the bottom line. They just don't. And so I think that's their identity offensively. And that's how they're going to have to win this game. Yeah, and they get get the ball too. You know, I think think there's some points there that you can't rely on every week. The immediate sack, scoop, and score. Uh, special teams, you know, uh, has come into play a little bit. Um, so that's the type of things that you can't really necessarily count on every single week. But yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, and and you obviously want to make Jalen Hurts throw the football because he's just mm-hmm. so dynamic as a runner. And and he's improved as a passer, and it helps when you add A.J. Brown and you have Dallas Goddard and Devontae Smith. I mean, there's weapons there, but I still think that that's the way you would choose to go about this game. If he throws for 300 yards and – you know, you guys lose that way, then, hey, you kind of just tip your cap. But you have to start with stopping the run. And it's not like this Cowboys run defense has been great. That would probably be the weakest thing uh, that they've done. You know, obviously, you want to get a lead if you're the Cowboys because you want to be able to pin your ears back and rush the passer because that's what you do the best. But in terms of running the football, they're giving up almost 120 yards per game on the ground. It's middle of the pack. It's, they're not elite at stopping the run. And so... I'm, I promise you that'll be the number one thing they're working on this week is containing the run. If they can stop the run, they'll live with, with Jalen Hurts having to win the game from the pocket. Yeah, absolutely. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Um, let's go ahead and play uh, the interview. Kent and I spoke with uh, Bo Wolf from uh, Birds with Friends, um, the great podcast here on The Athletic, to give you kind of the Eagles' perspective on some things. And uh, let's go ahead and let you hear that. All right, we're very happy to once again be joined by a friend of the show, uh, host of the Birds with Friends podcast over on The Athletic as well. And you can also see that on YouTube. Uh, one of the most respected and uh, highly praised podcasts that The Athletic uh, okay. has to offer on the football side. Now, I'm serious. You guys get a lot of get a lot of pub. Um, it is Bo Wolf. Bo, you joined us a couple times last year, and we really appreciate you joining us again. I can't believe it's already Cowboys and Eagles week. Man, it's crazy. Quick. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the kind words. I think the podcast is right. I was I was worried you were talking about me because that, you know, respected is definitely not the vibe that, I, that I'm generally getting. But um, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, we think you're great. And I'll say, uh, you know, it's – I guess I should throw out the disclaimers. We record this – on a Tuesday, uh, you know, afternoon, still a lot to be determined on the Cowboys side of things with who's playing quarterback. But man, things are going well for the Philadelphia Eagles, five and zero. Escaped Arizona the other day. The first thing that's jumped out to me in what I've seen uh, from watching the Eagles so far this year is they appear to be two different teams in the first half and the second half, which is okay if you can get a good lead and hold on to it, but. What a kind of a strange trend they've had where they just get out to a lead, they protect it, but it does seem like they're like two different types of teams. Yeah, I, and I think that that is a little bit context dependent. I mean, some of those leads have been big. Um, if you just go through it now in, in week one, Detroit, they were able to score points in the second half and, and salt that game away when they needed to. Um, week two, geez, I'm, I'm coming off a red eye last night, so it's like three hours of sleep. I'm trying to... <laughs> Trying to think about it. Uh, week two, Washington, I guess, or am I missing one? Uh, I think that's it. Uh, no, I guess Washington was week three. No, yeah, Washington, then Jacksonville, then Arizona. No, I'm still missing one. I'm telling you. Oh, I'm, Minnesota, Minnesota, Minnesota. That's right. Monday Night Football, Minnesota. That was a one where it really was like they jumped out to the lead and then they didn't score in the second half. The same thing happened in Washington, but the, they had leads in those games, and I think they were able to move the ball, um, and they just sort of tilted more towards the run in those games. I don't think that that's something they're they're super worried about. I think it's probably more meaningful that they have been able to uh, be so explosive in the second quarters of games than it is that they haven't been able to score in the second halves um, because it's been sort of the flow of the games. But I think that last week's game in Arizona was a little bit concerning. Um, you know, road games are difficult. You, you take a win however you can get it. But they were up two scores in that game, and, you know, they really – could have lost that game for the same price. You know, if if Kyler Murray doesn't spike that ball and they're able to move the ball further down the field, they could have had a chance to score a touchdown and win that game or at least send it to overtime and make the uh, the field goal kick shorter. And, there, you know, it's just like uh, the running game 
when their offensive line was was as banged up as it was last week, um, it was impressive that they were able to still lean on it uh, after having not been successful over the most of the course of the game against Arizona. They went on like a seven and a half minute drive to score the game winning field goal. I think that they have sort of earned the benefit of the doubt on offense, but um, we thought that the week three game against the Jaguars was going to be their their best test of a defense. And uh, now it turns out that uh, this week is when we'll find out because this this Cowboys defense sure looks uh, very explosive. Yeah, this Cowboys defense is crazy good. And it's been kind of odd around here, at least over the last decade plus or so, to even be able to realize, oh, well, we're always in every game as long as our defense is good because it's usually been the other way around. You know, one question I'd like to ask just from a, from a narrative standpoint, and I know it's a kind of a quick news cycle type of league, but now that you're five and zero, do you think the a you watching the game? Plus, I kind of want to know what like fans are thinking too. They feel better about Jalen Hurts through five games than you did coming into the year, or is it still kind of a big, you know, overriding question mark? Oh, I think I think everybody feels way better about Jalen Hurts than they did coming into the year, um, and I, it's because he has shown tangible improvement in in so many different areas. Um, some of the things that he didn't do last year, just in terms of the throws that he would make, he didn't throw over the middle a ton last year. He's done that well this year. He didn't throw to his left much left last year. He, he's done that this year. I think A.J. Brown gets some of the credit for that because of his specific skill set and what he brings to the offense. But but stuff beyond that, like Jalen Hurts um, has just been a far better quarterback. I mean, all the all the numbers indicate it, the advanced metrics, and and also just sort of the you know your basic yards per attempt and completion percentage stuff. Um, he looks in much better command of the offense. Um, he still is not turning the ball over a ton. He he had a couple interceptions dropped last week in Arizona, um, and he's been a little bit looser with the ball over the past couple weeks. But uh, what he brings to the table and what he allows the offense to do because of his legs and because he is. Uh, absolutely an improved passer, um, like you saw in week two against Minnesota. Um, he, he's been able to sort of solve whatever an opposing defense gives at you. So in week one, uh, it was a lot of man coverage and heavy blitzing, and he was able to really lean on his legs as a scrambler to, to sort of win that game. In week two, the Vikings were passive in zone, and Jalen Hurts picked him apart with accuracy and pre-snap reads. And he's, he's answered every question so far, um, but... This this game is going to be really interesting because, you know, they haven't played a defense that can uh, consistently get home with four, which we know that the Cowboys can do. And it's going to be a really interesting test for the Eagles offensive line, which, you know, I think they consider themselves the best in football. Um, you mentioned how the Cowboys, like, it's, it's still up in the air who's going to play. That's the case for the Eagles offensive line at left tackle. Jordan Mailata suffered a shoulder injury two weeks ago, didn't play last week was replaced by Jack Driscoll, who's actually their, their third string left tackle. And he acquitted himself fine. Um, the Eagles have always been able to get by with their depth offensive linemen because uh, Jeff Stoutland is so good at getting those guys ready. But there's a big difference between Jack Driscoll and, and Jordan Mailata. We don't know if he's going to play yet this week. Landon Dickerson and Jason Kelsey, their left guard and, and starting center, uh, both left last week's game and then returned after some time off. So they're hobbled, as is Isaac Sayamalo at right guard. So uh, this is going to be an interesting test. And, you know, Lane Johnson at right tackle hasn't given up a sack in like a year and a half. Um, so uh, this is like where this game is going to be decided. I feel like if if uh, the Cowboys can be as disruptive as they've been against everybody else, it might be a long day for the Eagles offense. If if their offensive line can hold up, then I, I expect that the Eagles will be able to to score plenty of points. 
Yeah, and I think that's the the weird thing. The Cowboys have yet to allow 20 points to an opponent, which is impressive in this day and age of the NFL, of course. Um, a lot of good things about the Cowboys' defense. The Cowboys' offense, plenty of questions uh, that we discuss ad nauseum, it seems. Where, where would you say um, is the Eagles' uh, weakness defensively? I think it's – it's. Um... It's I, I don't want to point at Jonathan Gannon, um, but it's sort of an inconsistent philosophy. So um, the first four weeks of the season, or actually week one, they were not very good. Uh, the Lions ran all over them. It was sort of a disaster. Weeks two, three, and four, they had turned things around. Um, Gannon has been much more blitz heavy than he was last season. He's still middle of the league in terms of blitz rate, but last year the Eagles like blitzed fewer than almost every team in the league. Um, and he's been blitzing on early downs more than he did last year. Um, they have an improved pass rush. They've, they've, their personnel is better at every level than it was last season because you add Hassan Reddick to the, to the edge rushing group. You add Jordan Davis to the middle of the defense. You add, uh, Kaiser White to linebacker and you add Chauncey Gardner Johnson and James Bradbury to the secondary. All of these are, are significant upgrades. Um, but there are times when if they're not getting home with four and, um, they're playing a little bit soft on the outside in some of the like 2021 Eagle zones. Uh, they can be picked apart a little bit. Um, situationally, they're not always great on on third down. Um, but otherwise, like this is a this is a better defense. I actually think by DVOA, they're one spot ahead of the Cowboys. The, that doesn't pass the eye test to me. Um, yeah. But uh, it's if it's Cooper Rush, I would expect that the Eagles defense should hold up pretty well. If it's Dak Prescott, I don't know. You you guys tell me what what, what we should expect if he's going to play. You're under, underestimating Cooper Rush there, Bo. I, I, a lot of I, people you know, here I, think uh, Cooper Rush is better than Dak. You know, causing better than Dak. We're going with. Oh man, it, it's getting crazy around here. I've seen. Uh, it's never I lost. Reddit, you can't argue I saw with a Reddit that. thread on the Cowboys Reddit that was like, "Guys, I'm gonna say it. It's time to trade Dak." Mm, <laughs> what are you guys talking about? Yeah, things get nuts around here sometimes. You know, I, and I, I will say this, and and the Cowboys will definitely be if Dak is ready to go. He will. He will go. In fact, I think I believe Jerry had an interview this morning. Not that that always is gospel, um, but Jerry did talk that, that was talking about Dak will begin throwing uh, tomorrow, which will be Wednesday. He will begin throwing, um, and I think after that, I think I think the Vegas line actually moved about a point. So <laughs> Jerry does okay. have that power, it seems. Um, but the, you know, I I am not in the boat of Cooper Rush is better than Dak. I am in the boat of Let's get that hand as good as possible. So just sure. you're allowed to lose a game. So that's kind of where I'm at. Let's just let Cooper Rush lose a game before we start moving anything. I mean, I've just read too much and heard too much from medical people about recovering 100% on a broken thumb. It doesn't happen within the window of this football season. It can get up to 90%, 95%. So let's let Cooper Rush lose a game first. They're going to try to get Dak out there, though. Mike McCarthy's probably in the boat of, I want Dak to have a full week of practice. Uh, but there's probably some front office pressure. By front office, I mean the hot dog boys, Jerry and Steven, who are probably like, yeah, well, if he's good, let's go ahead and run it out there. It's Sunday night football. The but, uh, the, the fact that it's Sunday night, Jerry's like not going to yeah. make the call. He's like, we have three extra hours than we normally would have. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it'll heal, heal by then. You know, like like that's going to make any difference Think of the at ratings. All. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just weird. You're not going to get spotted 10 points by your defense every single game. I mean, that's what happened in the Rams game, too. A block kick and then, you know, yeah. a scoop and score fumble. And uh, Cooper Rush has been 
better than any of us could have ever expected, but it is a way different team when Dak's there. They're not explosive offensively unless Tony Pollard breaks breaks right. a, a long run, and they're not even committed to giving Tony Pollard a fraction of the touches that Zeke gets, and he ain't breaking off any big runs. So it is – it is they, this weird now that's thing. the one where the backup might actually be better than the starter, right? That's the clear one that we've been calling for for <laughs> over like three a year. years. Yeah, um, but they're like it's like uh, we're we're going to keep giving the ball to the fullback, and it's not that Zeke is quote unquote <laughs> a fullback, but in this scenario, it kind of is. But when, that's the thing: can, can Dak open up the explosive plays? And I I think he can, especially now that they've got Michael Gallup back as well. But, you know, who's, if Dak plays it, there could be a little bit of rust and things like that. Um, what, what's happened with Cooper Rush is Noah Brown has turned into a good player um, uh, w- because I think they have really good chemistry and backup reps and things like that. So, Cooper, I mean, Noah Brown has basically replaced Amari Cooper's production, which sounds odd, but that's kind of what has happened. But they're not an explosive team offensively. They're not a team that's going to go put up 30 points. So, if you can find a way to score, then I think you're fine against a, a Cooper Rush team. I can't believe I'm saying that. It sounds insane that Cooper Rush would still like. It's just so weird. Um, Cooper Rush has the same record as the Eagles right now, five and zero. I mean, that's he, right. It's the he, battle of the five and Os. You know, it really is. You know, another thing uh, I was I was thinking about. So almost everything we kind of got into a front office page there for a minute. It feels like everything Howie Roseman has touched has turned to mm-hmm. turned to gold. You know, uh, AJ Brown's been been grabbing 28 catches so far this year. Uh, maybe you're wanting a little bit more, but you know, it, look, it's another added weapon in the offense. The the late trade for Chauncey Gardner Johnston seems to have, have worked out pretty well too. Is everything pretty good uh, from a, I guess, a reputation standpoint for Howie Roseman right now? Yeah, I mean, I would make the case that this is is probably his best offseason, which I know is a little bit silly considering he you know had an offseason that led to a Super Bowl. But those were sort of like uh, bets that were that were long shot bets that all paid off that were unlikely to do so. The flip side to that is this offseason was very much a case study in um, like sometimes the best moves you make are the ones that you don't uh, because you look at what the Eagles tried to do at wide receiver, for instance. They tried to trade for Calvin Ridley. That didn't go through because yeah. he was going to get suspended Ooh. by the league. They tried to sign Allen Robinson. Well, he doesn't certainly look like a, a good signing at this point. They tried to sign Christian Kirk. That didn't happen. So when all of that fell through, they traded for A.J. Brown. And he's a better player than all of those guys and uh, is like a much better value for the deal that he's getting. At quarterback, they were interested in uh, pursuing Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson. Both of those things fell through. Jalen Hurts has been better than Russell Wilson this year and better than I would expect Deshaun Watson to be this year. He's been awesome, and he's still cost-controlled as a, a second-round rookie contract. Um, at safety, they, you know, they tried to sign Marcus Williams. Um, that might have been that might have worked out well, but if they had done that, they might not have been able to afford A.J. Brown. They wouldn't have traded for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. So um, it's, a, it's a credit to them for remaining flexible and being involved in everything, which is sort of the Howie Roseman ethos. Anything that's like what keeps him up at night is the possibility that there's somebody in the league who's available that he doesn't realize is available. Like he wants to be involved in everything. Um, but the way that he did build things this offseason, cornerback, for instance, they were expecting to go into the offseason with uh, like 
four young, four second-year players competing for the spot opposite Darius Slay, and then James Bradbury gets released, and they're one of the only teams who has any money left, and they give him $10 million, and he can step in, and he's been awesome this year. So um, they've been both lucky and good, um, but I, I think that Howie Roseman gets a ton of credit from the macro sense in the quickness with which this roster has been turned over after the 2020 season, which was the disaster that led to, uh, you know, Doug Peterson getting whacked and uh, Carson Wentz getting traded. The, the roster was not in good shape at that point. Uh, they had a bunch of old players and not a lot of in their prime players. And since then, uh, that has turned around. They had guys from the 2019 draft class who all sort of popped, like Jordan Mailata and Josh Sweat and uh, Dallas Goddard and Avante Maddox. All those guys hit. And uh, now they've got this really interesting and like long-term balance of veterans like Fletcher Cox and uh, Jason Kelsey and Brandon Graham, but also this emerging young core and also some really good, very young players like Devontae Smith and Landon Dickerson and uh, Jordan Davis, it looks like. So the roster is in better shape than anyone could have possibly expected two years ago. Yeah, this is what you know we were kind of talking about before the season too, right? Man, Philadelphia did a lot of good work on the roster, not only this offseason, but that last year to build it up. And another question I want to get uh, get in here is uh, you know, running back. Have y'all kind of settled in on Miles Sanders as taking over? I know over the years it seems like there's been two or three guys you kind of lean on to get through the year. If there is one area that you can get the Cowboys defense, you do need to get ahead of the chains, um, you know, either get, averaging around five yards of carry that they were allowing. That might have changed since last week. It might have gone down a little bit. Um, but uh, is Miles Sanders kind of your all around? Everyone's bought in. He's our guy at running back now. Yeah, I mean he's the bell cow. He had his he had his uh, career long uh, or career high in in rushing yards two weeks ago against the Jaguars in the rain. Um, he is an he's an improved player. He's always had trouble staying healthy, so we'll see if he can get through the season. But he does seem to be a little bit more decisive and a little bit more physical between the tackles this year than he was before. The thing about the Eagles running back is like. It's probably the most running back friendly offense in the league because you've got a great offensive line that you're running behind and you're playing next to Jalen Hurts, who takes away yeah. so much attention from opposing defenses because of what he can do as a runner. And so, like, yes, Miles Sanders is the lead back, but if the Eagles are going to have a big day on the ground against the Cowboys, my expectation is that, you know, 40 to 50% of those yards are going to come from Jalen Hurts. And that's both scrambles and designed runs, which, uh, you know, he had like, seven quarterback sneaks last week so that gooses up the uh you know, like carry numbers but he's carrying the ball like 15 times a game uh, which is a crazy number for a, a quarterback and would set uh, a modern record so um yes Miles Sanders has been good he is explosive you'll see Kenny Gainwell on most third downs in, in obvious passing situations uh Boston Scott might be back from injury this week uh, Trey Sermon's been getting a couple snaps but it's going to be Sanders and Gainwell but but I would expect that if the Eagles are going to have a big game on the ground, Jalen Hurts will be a big part of that. Yeah, I think that's the the Cowboys' area. Their defensive tackles have been okay, but they're not going to be any headliners there. I mean, uh, Neville Gallimore and Oso Digizua, they're, they're good players. Um, but that's kind of a spot where they've been able – where they just haven't been great at. But what happened was in the Rams game, and trust me, the Rams struggle running the ball right now too – but there were a few times when guys like Tristan Hill, um, you know, a second round pick from a few years ago, and Odigi Zua or Neville Gallimore, someone like that would flash, make a big play on first down, and then it's second and 12. And second 12, you're passing. 
And that's where it's murderer's row for the Cowboys because you can stand Micah Parsons up anywhere. Mm. I think the one thing the Eagles advantage, uh, it's, it's way early in the week, to, but it will be interesting to see how much Micah Parsons even practices this week. He's got a tight groin. Um, he will play on third downs no matter what. I don't know if he's going to be a 100% snap guy like usual on Sunday night. You know Micah? Uh, like I think I do, then yeah, he's probably going to do whatever it takes to be out there and uh, really look forward to this game, especially uh, going back home to Philadelphia. But um, uh, the groin could slow him down a tad, and they might be careful with that just because of how early it is in the season. But on passing downs, if you have a third and seven, it's trouble because they'll put him up next to Demarcus Lawrence, and then you got to kind of pick, and then Dorrance Armstrong on the other side is really – done a really good job of, of stepping up this year. And I, I think what's so fascinating to me about this game is this is a different quarterback than the Cowboys have faced all year long. I mean, it's been a lot of statues. It's been Brady. Daniel Jones moves a little bit, and he ran on the Cowboys sub. Carson Wentz is just seeing ghosts at all times right now. Yeah. Matthew Stafford's not known for being the most nimble guy, and I'm leaving out someone. There's another game I'm forgetting, too. Um, because there's been five games played, but they've played all teams. Oh yeah, uh, Joe, Joe Burrow. Burrow. She's not trying to run too much. Yeah. So you know, this is the game where it's oh, now we have a a mobile quarterback. So Dan Quinn's got a you know quite a different uh, game plan that he's probably been working on for a while now. So that to me is the most interesting thing is just a new style of quarterback coming in here. And you know, Jalen Hurts can't be happy about the way it went against the Cowboys last year. Uh, I think he had a really famous quote last year that was really good after that game. It was 27 to seven. So that's the thing I'm like most uh, looking forward to is just how the Cowboys defense reacts to a quarterback who's going to run it more than 10 times. Yeah. And I think that is, I think that is like the, you know, the, uh, the heavyweight matchup of, of this game is, is how that plays out that, that Cowboys pass rush against Jalen Hurts. Uh, if they're a little bit too aggressive up the field, can Jalen Hurts catch them uh, on quarterback draws or, or on scrambles down the field? I think I think I would be surprised if that doesn't happen a few times. Um, but there's also a possibility that those guys can wreck a game, obviously. So yeah, I think I think that's what everybody's looking forward to is how that plays out. All right, Bo. Before we let you go, I know you probably don't want to do this so this early, early in the week. You but, can uh, change this. For your official prediction, call oh yeah, I'm not. I am. Podcast, I am not. Whatever you're going to do later, I am this not is, writing this in stone. This is just. Yeah, this doesn't matter. This is our podcast. Yeah. Um, I think right now, my my prediction is, uh, this is a this is a tight game, but uh, the Eagles pull it out. Let me say, um, twenty seven twenty one. How about that? What are you hmm. thinking? Um. Like season prediction at this point, where are you feeling? Are you feeling the they're gonna fall off a cliff here at some point, or you know, it's it's like um, Jason Kelsey was talking about this the other day about like how games always go, where like some team gets out to a lead, the other team makes an adjustment, uh, the other the team that went out to a lead doesn't adjust quick enough because they're trying to continue doing what was successful in the first quarter, and then from there it's like okay, who's got like better base stuff? Um, and that's sort of how I expect the season to go. Like, I think there are going to be um, some adjustments made by opposing teams against the way that the Eagles have been so successful through these first five games. However, like the schedule is pretty easy. Um, yeah. And I know it's the case for the Cowboys and, and I know it's the case for the Giants, too. Um, 
like to me, it's it's as long as Jalen Hurts um, can stay healthy and not just from a like be on the field standpoint, but continue to be the dynamic runner that he is. Because at the end of last season, that was not the case. He got banged up, and that sort of sapped the like the superpower that the Eagles have on offense. Uh, if he's not willing to be quite as aggressive as a runner, it changes what they can do. It changes the math. And so as long as he stays healthy, I think this is I think this is the number one seed in the NFC. I don't know what happens in the playoffs, but uh, the schedule is is set up that way that I think they would be the number one seed. I think the like uh, Vegas right now has them at like sixty percent to be the number one seed, which seems crazy yeah. at this point. Mm-hmm. But um, that's an obvious like we'll see about injuries. But but right now I do I do believe what I'm seeing with with the team. The the philosophy of, of Philadelphia going into it understanding that the NFC is not full of world beaters. I think that has to be a part of it, or maybe that's something that we look at more than, more than teams do. But like, it was very clear coming into the season, like Buffalo and Kansas city are probably a step ahead. And you really don't know until you start playing games. But when you look at the NFC, the Packers and the Bucks and the Rams, all people who are normally there having tons of problems. Um, San Francisco looks okay and, and things like that. And I think, I don't think anyone's too hype about Arizona. So you do look at the Eagles and I think the same thing about the Cowboys. It's why a lot of Cowboys fans had frustration for just letting Amari Cooper go for a fifth right. rounder. It's like, I don't know why we're making the roster worse. We could just, you know, try to make it better because it's all right there. When I, I pull up, I just, every time I look at the Cowboys schedule and I pull up the Eagles schedule, it's like, Man, they really just got a little tough gauntlet there at the end of November with the the Packers and the Titans, and mm-hmm. this this is also the words I just said, Bo, are under the assumption that the Giants aren't good. Um, yeah, which I don't believe they with. are. But yeah, they'll be like, there's no way. I, think, right? I mean, no the way they can make a, they can make the playoffs. They have the easiest schedule in football, and they're already four and one. So that does that wouldn't that wouldn't shock me. You know what happens with a team that might not be that good, but they start to believe like I think there is something to that. And with seven teams making the playoffs, you know, they, they could yeah. certainly sneak in. But if I was like, if I was ranking the uh, the teams in the NFL who are most likely to lose in the first round of the playoffs, uh, like it would, I think like the Vikings and Giants would be my my top two picks at this point. So, but I have to ask before we let you go, your very loose Tuesday prediction, 27-21 Eagles. Was that a Dak game or a Cooper Rush game? That was a Cooper Rush game. But I, but I, I think I would, I would pick the Eagles to win even, even if it's Dak. Okay. Okay. To 27-24, maybe something like that. Yeah, 27-22. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, 22, yeah. Uh, I can see five field goals. Uh, Maher, yeah. our kicker, is – wait, y'all have a kicker situation too? Is Dicker kicking for you guys now? He is. Uh, Jake Elliott hurt his ankle uh, two weeks ago, and so Dicker hit the, hit the game winner against the uh, against the Cardinals, and I think it's, it's up in the air as to whether Elliott will be back for this week. My guess, because the Eagles have their bye next week, is that it would it would sort of make sense to give Dicker one more week, give Elliott one extra week to heal. Dicker the kicker, very famous in Hardly these parts. Of, there was time at Texas. Brett Maher has become a fan favorite after people hated him three years ago. Uh, we got our kicking woes figured out down here. Um, although this, we have a long snapper issue. So, uh, oh, you never want yeah. that. Yeah. Well, if we had a great snap, he just snapped at the wrong time. Um, oh, I saw that. Yeah, that was very funny. Yeah, yeah really good snap just to – wasn't ready for it there, but uh, so who was that on? Was issues. it on? Was it on the snapper or was it on the holder? It was on the snapper. Mm. Yeah, um, and it was his first game. Old Matt Overton. Yeah. Uh, uh what happened to LP Leducer? Okay, so he's been out. 
he retired. Okay. Um, and then we had a guy named McQuaid who was kind of his protege, but McQuaid had a had a peck or something, something that doesn't allow him to long snap anymore. Mm. Yeah. One of my favorite. So John would know that would that was always one of my favorite things that would be in the Eagles game notes because they would always have like. Which play every week? It's like you know, college teammates who are going to play against each other. Yeah. You know, guys who played together. And every every you know, twice a year we'd get college teammates, Deshaun Jackson and LP Leducer. Like I'm sure those guys got along. Like those guys must have yeah, so nice. many memories together. They know each other so well. Thick as thieves, right? Those guys always hanging out. Um, LP is a uh, he was around for a long time around almost, here. He almost was, broke uh, my back. I think I told that story on the. The pod uh, <laughs> a few days. He like he he was one of the the dude that like shoved me. Remember we were talking about like mean players. Oh, yeah. yeah, really. He was, like a mean, he was a meanie. Yeah. What the heck? Randomly mean long snapper. Wow. You expect a long snapper to just kind of you know be chill, Maybe he know your place, make along. a lot of money, long snap. But he was yeah, pretty mean. He's a millionaire and he's in the league for twenty years, so he's a twenty millionaire. You know, at some point, you know, uh, nobody pushes people. nobody pushes Kent and gets away with it. In my nobody. book, that's gonna that's gonna come back to haunt him. It's bad. I, I agree. Well, Bo, we really th- uh, thank you for your time. Sorry that John turned his back on you and couldn't be here for the podcast. Um, he's uh, he's at the star doing doing work as we speak. Um, you can catch Bo on Birds with Friends again, one of the most respected podcasts that the Athletic has to offer. That's right. And also uh, check them out on YouTube as well. That's a uh, good content for you Cowboys fans getting ready for Eagles and Cowboys. Once again, thank you very much, Bo. Thanks, guys. All right, thank you again to Bo Wolf. Very awesome of him to uh, take uh, 30 minutes out of his day. Uh, I know he was very uncomfortable giving that prediction this early in the week, but, uh, you know, that's what we do. We held him to the fire. Uh, you can follow them, uh, of course, Birds with Friends. Make sure you go listen to that to get you ready for the game. Follow them on uh, YouTube as well where they do that podcast. Um, so I don't know about you guys. Uh, 27-21, Bo picks the Eagles over the Cowboys. It would not give uh, – yeah, it's hard to know. Like, we were assuming it's another Cooper Rush game. Um, our, our leaders right now is uh, John Machota, 3-2 and two so far this year. Sod looking pretty good right there. Nell in the last two. Sod, 3-2. and two. So, Kent and I got to step it up. Wait, no, I've got I've got myself at 3-2. and two. Kent's at 2-3. and three. Okay, interesting. So, look, a lot of fun here. I, I'll go first. This... Cooper Rush is not putting up 30 points on anybody. Yeah, you got to have no, I don't know about that. I don't I don't know about that. Circle back uh, a week from now. He can certainly put up 30 against that Lions defense. I promise you he can. The Lions defense. Seriously, go look at what they've done this season. Oh no. That is no, the team the they play next week. I'm not making this up. He can put up 30 against the Lions. There's no doubt in my mind. Dude, Bailey Zappi nearly put up 30 against the That's Lions. That's what I'm saying. So yeah. I would Against the Eagles, yes, he probably cannot put up thirty points. But next week, and possibly against the Bears, I don't, I wouldn't, I don't, I don't, wouldn't say he couldn't. I keep telling myself that I'm eventually going to come around and pick the Cowboys to win like a game like this, but right. it's just not what I think will happen because I just look. There's no way Cooper Rush loses a game in his life eventually, right? Like no, it eventually never. happens. No, he never will ever again. What if you make? Okay, hold on. Before we do this pick, just for fun. What if you make it to the bye week and he still hasn't lost? Then I'll probably go to whatever college campus it is that he played against 
the last time he lost a game and I'll interview their coach about what did you guys do to beat Cooper Rush? I mean, I don't know. That's probably, that sounds like something, that sounds like an athletic story, doesn't it? It, it absolutely does. <laughs> um, it's not full time. I'm going to look that up. I'm going to look that up right yeah. now, who that is. <laughs> I was waiting on the sad angle to kick in. Like, uh, but okay. So, okay. So it's like, okay, you win. Oh, but Dak's throwing it. But yeah, we want to give him a full week of practice and take on the Lions. Oh, Dak's still, you know, so you keep going, and then you get to the bye week after the Bears. I think it's Lions and the Bears, right? Yeah. What do you do there? You got to make the call. What do you do? You still haven't lost to the Cooper Rush. You've made it to the bye week. I mean, look, it's not like Dak's going to host a go rogue and host a press conference saying that it's Cooper Rush's team. Like, you know, he's not going to give up on the team in the middle of the year like Tony did. Whoa. That's not going to happen. Wait. But Wait, the but truth KT. is, if Yeah. Can I ask you? Can I ask you a question? Is Cooper Rush undefeated playing the way that he's been playing this season so far, or does he the magically the way it's been? I'm going the back to Dak. Well, I'm going back to Dak. Like again, if Dak was practicing fully right now, do you look at Cooper Rush being four and zero? I look at the fact that he completed ten passes, and one of them was a twenty-seven yard pass to Gallup, which was great. But like he threw for a hundred and two yards. Like t- like Dak. Like that's that's a drive for Dak, you know. Like I, I know, like not 102 yards. I agree. But, so if, if you're saying he's still playing the way he is and they're winning, I'm still going back to Dak. Um, if he suddenly <laughs> does this thing that John is saying, where now he he's John is for not saying that he's doing this. First of <laughs> he's all, he's not going to do no, that. No, no, no. So like- but but if John, but to John's point, if all of a sudden. You know, Dak needs an extra week, and Cooper Rush is coming off of a 375-yard, four-touchdown <laughs> performance against Detroit. I might think about it a little bit more against Chicago, and then if he does the same thing there, then I might be like, okay, maybe we think about this. But if he's still playing the way that he is right now, there's no I don't think there's really a conversation. All right, I found it. It was the 2016 season at Central Michigan. The, the Chippewas finished 6-7, and seven. And they lost in the Miami Beach Bowl to Tulsa, 55-10. to 10. In that game, Cooper Rush was 24 of 49 passing for 241 yards, but three interceptions and a QB rating of 14.7. So that, that Tulsa coaching staff will be who I'll be circling up with, and we'll be getting a dynamite story. I'm looking forward yeah. to this. Yeah, it's not even that long of a drive for you to get up no, to this, Tulsa. That will, be tough. This, this completely lines up with... Cooper just being okay, uh, the Eagles winning, it's a competitive game or whatnot, Dak does some stuff in practice, and then he comes back next week and plays against the Lions, and then plays against the Bears, gets his feet underneath them, they go into the bye week, and you're feeling good about yourself. I mean, those are two great teams they have him come back against, and then everything is ready to roll coming out of uh, coming out of the bye week. No, Wait, that's, how, that's real, how it lines real, up. But real, seven, real quick. Wait, real quick on, on the Tulsa point before before we leave that, okay? Do you know the Tulsa head coaches? Well, now or I then? Do. Now or then? I think he was the same guy then, too, if I'm not mistaken. It's Philip Montgomery, who is born in Dallas, Texas, and is like and is a and is a Texas guy through and through. I remember like he was the he was at Denton High School, he was at Houston. He was he was the OC and quarterback coach at Baylor for like for like seven eight years or something like that i remember that um i remember when he was at baylor uh because i because you know this is him he was in his he was in his second season that year (laughs) 
Okay, oh, so so he's from Dallas. He's a he Dallas is. guy. <laughs> he's only fifty. All right. Yeah. I'm gonna see. I'll see you guys later. I'm gonna go call him. I'll talk to you guys later. <laughs> no. Okay, wait, but John, before I know you're ready okay. to answer, the, but I do want you to answer the question here. <laughs> okay. Cooper Rush in a hypothetical universe is seven and zero entering the bye week. Okay. What about it? Where are you going after that? And he's playing it like at this level. Like is no Dak 350 yard games with four touchdown passes and we're slinging right. it around. It's winning da- this way. Is Dak healthy? Yeah. Is he spinning it? He's as healthy. Well, Jerry, he's spinning it as well as he can. Then he is back starting again. And all this is because only because Dak did not go rogue and hold a press conference. No. Okay. And KT, let saying me. Well, Cooper's team. Let me tell you another that? like logistical thing about they this. Lost. Let me t- yeah, but let me tell you a logistical thing about this. If we're being serious about this hypothetical, here's I'm another. Kind of being serious. Okay, so here's the here's the thing. If Dak is healthy and you don't go back, you don't go back to him as a team, as a franchise. You can't come back from that. But Dak, if you put him back in and he just sucks for four games straight, you can always go back to Cooper Rush. He was the backup. Yeah, it's and, still bad and he, then, though, Sod. It's, it's bad still bad. bad but, but I'm, yeah, that's pretty really bad. It, it, <laughs> that's it's still bad. bad. But I'm just, but I'm just saying, like, like, okay, think back, think back to 2016, for example. You can't go to you. You could go to Tony and then come back to Dak if Tony Romo sucked. But once you said you're done, Tony Romo, we're going to Dak. You can't ever come back from that ever. But you uh, knew Dak was your future. You do not sit there today and think. To be honest with you, that the, they, I mean, they actions speak louder than words, and their actions were, Will Greer, if you want to go ahead and win this backup job during preseason, it's yours. And he couldn't do it, so we're gonna go with Cooper Rush again. Believe me, uh, that yeah. they don't they look at him like Gary he's the Gilbert future. Yeah, no, side, side, side. In your scenario. If this was some quarterback that they took in the first or second round, and because uh, Jerry did it as a leverage play, but with Dak's last contract, this all is so believable. But no, uh, oh if that was the it case, I think it's, yeah, I think it's more likely. Uh, um, Cooper Rush teaming up with Dan Quinn next year on whatever team that Dan's with might is a little bit more realistic. But yeah, oh, uh, the Panthers yeah. with sharp teeth, the old balls. Panthers. Uh, <laughs> So but th- this is my thought. Like, it's way different, right? The Romo Dak thing is so different than yeah. this, right? For many reasons. Yeah. I always thought, because I think that was after the Pittsburgh game when they're like eight and one. I always thought if Tony could have waited it out a month and they would have lost, it would have at least been considered because they had a couple of bad offensive games, one that included a loss. And I thought Tony misplayed his hand there. A, because it's the wrong thing to do to quit on your team in the middle of the year. Not that he fully quit or whatever, but like, you know, it was not, it was not cool. B, and I've forgiven him for that or whatever. It never really, you know, B, what if Dak has a head injury or an ankle or whatever, and then you got to step in and play, you know, three days after you held a press conference saying it's been a good run. It's Dak's team now. I always thought that was strange. That ain't happening here. But if Tony would have waited like three weeks, they would have had the option to go, Okay, we just lost, and the offense looked like garbage. Let's put Tony back in. They could have done it, and Cowboys history could be changed. That could have yeah. happened. I just can't. I just keep picturing everything going down that day, like when we were at the Star, and they, it was like so last minute, like, "Hey, everybody, uh, go in the press conference room." Tony, was, if they if they said that like a couple of weeks, they're like Co- Cooper has something he wants to say to you guys. <laughs> what would be Dak in this case, right? 
Oh. Dak would be the one. Yeah, I guess doing so. it. How strange would that be, dude? Why? Look, it's a meritocracy, and Cooper's rush is <laughs> ten for sixteen last week. It was just uh, I don't know even know what to do anymore. So look, the, and the other run. reason, if anything happens, I'll be over here on the bike. The other reason this is not a real quarterback controversy, in my opinion, is because we've seen real quarterback controversies. Like, yeah. go back and look at the way Steve Young and Joe Montana was. Go back and look at Drew Bledsoe and Tom Brady. Go back and look at Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick. Like, there is a very different feel to all of those situations than what we're talking about right now. Go back and look at what literally this year Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo were. Like, when you have two guys, you have to, you have to, like, do something. Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo was not a quarterback controversy. It was all Trey Lance. Um, and and he was the guy, unless he got hurt, which he did. But the thing is, when you look at actual quarterback controversies, it's very clear and it's very different than what we're seeing right now. And that's why, like, I want to make very clear. I'm not saying you go, you, you stick with Cooper Rush or come back to Dak and go back to Cooper Rush. I'm just saying that you have to go to Dak once he's done because that dude is still very much the franchise quarterback. I think what all it comes down to is that even if Cooper Rush continues to roll, I think Cooper Rush is... There's just some Jared Goff, Jimmy Garoppolo there where, yeah, you get you to the playoffs, but to win those games in the playoffs, you're going to need Dak Prescott, you know, like the Rex Grossman with the Bears thing. Like it's going to run out. You know, I understand Foles and and that's probably the best argument you can make. But if like, again, like I said earlier on the show, and and I I don't mean to offend anybody that, that is real happy about 12 or 13 wins and wants to get a shirt that says NFC East champs. If you want, I get it. Go get one. Um, but I'm saying that this will be ultimately judged by what they do in the postseason. And their best chance to make a run in the postseason is with Dak Prescott. And it's really not up for debate. Also, back to the Romo concession speech. What does that remind you of? That Like, it doesn't have to just be in football. What other thing does that remind you of in, in, in sports? I mean, sports. man. Exactly. I, nothing. That's how I, bizarre it was. Like there it. is nothing like that. I've never seen anything like it. Especially because it was a press conference like scheduled. It wasn't. Hey, I'm going to talk in front of my locker real quick. Let's just knock this out. I'm just going to answer some questions if guys it got about. Romo's talking at the podium. We're like, what? Yeah. He hadn't, he hadn't, I don't think he had ever talked at the podium. Yeah. So well, the other thing that, that you, know, it, you know, yeah. It was like, Romo has something it, to say. We're like, what? What's going on? You know is what else retiring? it is, though, Kent? It's very weird. Kent, if it was at Valley Ranch, it wouldn't seem different at all because yeah. where you do the press conferences at is. Uh, uh, a 60 second walk from the locker room to get, to get to where Romo did that press conference at the star. You had to use your key card probably four times, probably had to get an elevator, had to walk by three or four people. Maybe there was a couple tours that went by, had to probably take some pictures. You know, I mean, it's just not anywhere near by design. It's nowhere near like where the media is at, where the press conference room is at. And so uh, that, that all of that is what it was. If he just would have like stood at his locker and then, the fact that also he didn't, it's a press conference, but he also didn't take any questions. He just read a statement and left. Like in the moment, I was pretty, oh, wow, this is, this is interesting. I haven't done any, covered anything like this before. And since that's happened, I'm like, that is interesting. I'm like, I've never covered any. And then he played for the Mavs. So then that Dude, kind of. Yeah, that, awesome. no, that's wilder. And we don't even have time to get into that. <laughs> I, I remember going, well, it's the middle of November. Like, what if Dak gets hurt? Like I was like, I, he I did not understand I mean, he, how he it was played in like, Philadelphia later that season. You know, like he he still was yeah. the backup, but it was yeah, it was more the passing the torch. 
you know, so like, yeah, get he, off my he, ass about this. And Dak's the Mark guy. Mark Sanchez you know? was the real backup that year. Yeah, well, let's be real. And, and, and Tony was already focused on his NBA career at that point, you know. So yeah, okay. he, okay, the ship had John, sailed. Okay. Oh, did you not okay. see number nine run out with Dirk and the oh, crew? I, saw I it. was, I was there. Yeah, I did. It happened. I've seen, I've seen his name in the floor at the AAC. Exactly, it happened. You can't the erase history. Were sold. KT the jerseys were sold at the gift shop. Yeah, flew out. I mean, halftime they were gone everywhere. Jerseys yeah. uh, and jerseys. Yeah, it's gonna be. A, is his name on the court for the Mavs? For the yeah, of the names of everyone yeah. who's playing. No, it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, Kent, you're two and three. You're a game behind the the rest of us in picks. You're gonna start us off this week. Man, what do I go with? This is tough. I'm torn, man. This is tough. I think I'm. I'm kind of feeling Dallas, man. I'm feeling this defense. I'm feeling Dallas by a point. Give me Dallas twenty five. Philly 24. Woo! That is hot to start it off. Yeah. I'm going to go Philadelphia, guys. Sorry, I wish I could. 24-17. Okay, I'll, I'll go with Dallas. 23-20. And I'm going to say Cooper Rush has another very mediocre game, but it's 20-20, and he leads a game-winning drive, and Brett Maher like, either walks it off or is close to walking it off and 23-20. Yeah, and for the second consecutive week, everything Saad said seems completely (laughs) realistic to the point where I expect that to happen. Um, But I will still be going. I will be going with the uh, favorites. I'll go with the Eagles, twenty to seventeen. I have picked against the Cowboys three times this year, and that was against now the Eagles, Cincinnati, and then last week against the Rams. I will be very impressed if they prove me wrong for a third week. That will be. I will I will be I'll be very surprised if that happens. I feel like the magic or as Jerry would say this morning the mojo uh, has to run out at some point. Um and I just think that this this lines up. But if not, I'm all for it. It's way way more fun. Right. Exactly. Austin Powers. It's way more fun to cover wins than it is losses. So I will happily be wrong if I am, but I don't think I will be. Sounds like a good week to smash some watermelons and go get that dub. Uh, all right, so that's it. Uh, f- that's Father John Mashoda. Keep following him all throughout the week. You'll have the latest injury news as well as we get a little closer. Chicken on Mike is growing. Going to be a busy week out at the star for John, and then he'll get out to <laughs> get out to Philadelphia. <laughs> I just realized. Um, Sod, we have stars opening night on Thursday, man. How about that? That's right. I'll be in Nashville. How good are we going to be in 30 uh, seconds or less? How good are we going to be? <laughs> I think they're going to be basically a borderline playoff, playoff team just like they were last year. They're either barely going to get in as the number three team in the division or they'll be a wild card team. But they'll be exciting to watch, I think. Uh, and that's, that's uh, you know, it's crazy when half of their roster is 25 years old or younger. So that's a that's a huge thing. As a guy who now works with Julie Dobbs every morning, um, I'll be uh, following the stars a little closer than usual because uh, I usually we just kind of go, okay, all right, I'm having valley issues. I'll see what Saad wrote about him. Um, and there's uh, Kent Garrison. Uh, thank you, Kent. Thank you. Also why don't you to tell our listeners why Julie Dobbs would make you listen to the star or know more about the stars? Maybe people don't know the backstory. 
Oh yeah, Julie, um, uh, who is uh, my co-host on uh, 97.1 The Freak, uh, the Speakeasy, seven to eleven a.m. Um, she, uh, her husband, is a, a coach of the Stars, but she used to also do TV for many years, covering the Stars as well. But yes, her husband is a is a is on the Stars coaching staff. Yeah, he's I mean, the it video sound coach. Like he was the coach, the video coach. Uh, yeah, I just I didn't know I didn't coach. know about this until when the previous coach got fired, and I was listening to the radio, and you're actually listening to somebody on the radio whose husband could be losing their job too, you know, in, in real time, you know, that I, cause I had no idea that he was on the coaching staff and that, um, you know, how that goes, you know, if the head coach loses his job, you think that all the assistants are going to lose, lose their jobs or could or whatever. So that, that's cool yeah, that he was able to get in with the new staff. Yeah. But um, also what's crazy, what's real quick, what's crazy about, about Kelly, um, Kelly Forbes, who is the husband who was the video coach. He has survived, I want to say, one, two, three, four, five, six. This is his seventh head coach. Wow. Uh, in Gosh, Dallas. This is incredible. That's how good he is. It's either his seventh or his sixth, but I'm pretty sure it's his seventh um, head coach in Dallas. He's one of the best video coaches in hockey. And so every coaching staff that comes in, they bring in a whole new staff, but Kelly Forbes always stays. So, yep. That's excellent. And, uh, uh, again, again, Bo Wolf, Birds with Friends, thank you. Thank you for your time as well. I'll make sure you check them out, get gearing up for the week. So uh, we'll talk to you Sunday night late after Cowboys and Eagles, or we'll have that up for you on Monday morning. Going to be a fun one. Sunday night on NBC, Eagles, Cowboys, on the road in Philly. Uh, John, if you see any of the Always Sunny guys, make sure you give them a high five for me. I'm KT. This has been the latest episode of About Them Cowboys. Let the mighty eagle soar. Thank you and God bless you.